0: All right. You ready for the Word this morning? Yeah. Praise God. Well, let's get into the Word then. Shall we do that? <laughs> Hallelujah. If you haven't got an out- outline in your hand, just raise up your hand and one of the ushers is going to get you one. And uh, what I would like to do this morning is um, to bring a, um, some understanding in regards to who God is and and uh, redemption that we have received and that we are enjoying. And the title of this morning's message is The Redemptive Names of God. By the way, for those of you that have purchased the manuals for the Connect Group uh, curriculum right now, this uh, teaching there is sort of built into that manual somewhere. Um, And some of you have heard this teaching before. But it's always good to remind ourselves some, th- some things that we already know, to make sure that we're actually walking in it. We're not so much for information, we're uh, after revelation and, uh, and praise God. In fact, Vanessa and I have come into some of this understanding years and years and years ago, and it absolutely revolutionized our lives. And I encourage you this morning to stay tuned in and... Uh, because we don't know everything, how do you know that we don't know everything? And there might just be a, a key that will absolutely uh, unlock a new door for you in your life, in regards to you know to be able to overcome challenges and in regards to go to go to a new level. And so uh, let's never sit back and say, "Well, I've heard that before. I've, I've heard that before." Because God's word is always fresh and it's always new. And if I say something that you already know, then add you Amen to it or you Hallelujah or something and encourage me in my preaching here this morning. Praise God. Let me just pray. Right now, and let's commit our time to the Lord and trust Him to speak to us, Father. We once again we want to thank you for Your Word. We thank you, Lord God, for Your presence, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that You hear, Lord, to strengthen and Lord to impart and to fill us, Lord, and to bring revelation into our lives, Father. And this morning we ask again that You speak to us, show us things, Lord, that we need to know, things that we have perhaps uh, never seen before, things that we might have even let slip, and help us, Lord, to be current in all things. And we thank you, Father, that our faith is going to a new level today. And we thank you, Lord God, Lord, that we're able, Father, to receive something here today that we're able to carry into our own environments in regards to our family environment, our friends, and and Lord, our places of work, and to impart some of these things there in Jesus' name. Amen. So as part of our, our, since the beginning of the year, and in particular since the visit of uh, Tom Ingalls and with this curriculum that we're running now in our Connect Group, we've been learning some things. We've learned that our praise of God and our thanksgiving to God is very much based on on our knowledge and our understanding of God, who God is and what He has done. And uh, there in Psalm 47, and in verse 7, it says, For God is King of all the earth, sing praises with understanding. And so evidently our praises are based on an understanding on our part of who God is, what He has done. Our thanksgiving is definitely based on knowing the things that God has done. And sometimes uh, if people don't uh, live a life of praise, if they don't live a life of thanksgiving, a serious component of their Christianity is missing. A serious part of their faith is not operating. And uh, sometimes that goes back to just not knowing who God is and or just sort of, oh, yeah, sort of hearing uh, information but not receiving revelation where the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. And so uh, we're trusting God today that He will freshly enlighten or illuminate the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our faith to help us to see things uh, that we need to know. And of course, when we are talking about the redemptive names of God, and we'll discuss that word redemption in just a little while because it's important that we understand these things and that we're precise in our understanding. These redemptive names, they give an give us an understanding of God's nature, they give us an understanding of God's character, and they give us an understanding of God's function. Now, if you read the Bible from, from the book of Genesis right through to Revelation, there's like scores and scores and scores of names of God. Uh, how God has revealed Himself. This morning, we saying about the great I Am. And, uh, you know, then uh, in other parts, it talks about the sovereign Lord. It talks about the Lord God Almighty. And these are all names that God has revealed Himself by in order to give us an understanding of what He has done for us and what He wants to do in our lives. And... uh, and so that's what these names do. Now, this morning we'll be discussing, uh, opening up the whole concept of, of these eight names that are specifically dealing with our redemption. Uh, we'll endeavor to cover four of those today and four in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, so but before I do that, before I get into the names of God, and, you know, sometimes uh, we, we, we struggle a bit with this whole thing of one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we try to... Fit things together, and uh, I know I wrestled with the concept of the Trinity for many years. And I'm not suggesting that I've got a full handle on it today, but I do think I understand it better today than what I did say, you know, 25 years ago. And so I'm, I'm believing that today we're going to get a better understanding, even of this whole thing. Now, here in Colossians, this is a key scripture: Colossians chapter two. Verse 6 says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. Well, how have we received Him? By faith. So we continue to live by faith. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you have been taught. You see, when the teaching of God's Word takes place, our faith is strengthened. Even right now, as we are proclaiming, teaching God's Word, our faith is strengthened. Uh, He says... uh, Strengthened in the faith as you have been taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. You see, every believer, and I mean every believer, should be overflowing with thanksgiving. Uh, The overflow, you know, when you pour water into a glass and when it gets to the overflow, it happens all by itself. So long as you keep on pouring, there's an overflow. And you know, sometimes uh, uh, if we have to beat somebody up and and, and kick them and shove them to just give a couple of of praise the Lord's or something, something is wrong. That's not the overflow, is it? Uh, (laughs) And so everybody should be overflowing with thanksgiving. And if it's not, there is an issue there. There's some sort of a blockage there. And here it is, that's what I'm trying to get to in verse nine. It says, "For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over all, uh, who is the head over every power and authority." And so what that means is that all the fullness of God, uh, one translation says, "All the fullness of the Godhead." Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it all resides in the person of Jesus Christ. It resides in Him bodily, all right? Um, And so uh, what that means is, if we want to know what God is like, all we have to do is look at what Jesus Christ is like. So if we literally wanted to get a better understanding of what God's like in terms of how he functions and what he likes and what he doesn't like uh, and the things that he wants to do, then all we have to do is, is to get to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and to read through the, through the narratives of Jesus Christ and to watch the man uh, and to, to, to see how he operated. Uh, and once we understand that, we know exactly how God operates because Jesus is God in bodily form. All right. Jesus is God become man. Emmanuel we sang about that in, in song this morning. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now when God became man, when when Jesus Christ became man, he didn't lose his his Godship, he kept his Godship, but he became man. And of course, he became the mediator between God and man to be able to die on the cross because, you know, you, God, God in, in heaven, you can't kill God on the cross. God had to become a human being to be able to die on the cross uh, and to become one of us in order to pay the price for our sins and to redeem us and to lead us back to God again. How awesome is that? And... Uh, so that's what that means that everything that we'll be discussing in these uh, sessions, when we discuss the redemptive names of God, it's all in Jesus Christ. So, if I can put it in, in somewhat of a, of a rudimentary uh, 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 form, is everything that's in God has been bundled up and it's been put into Jesus Christ. And uh, in fact, here in, in John chapter 14, verse 9, a portion of that, of that verse here, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. There was a discussion going on at that time. And Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many mansions, he said. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. How do you believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ? Why do we believe it? Because the Word says it. If the Word says it, we believe it. All right, and if we believe it, it's got to be in the Word because otherwise it's just an opinion. But as soon as the Word uh, speaks about it, it's truth. And so, so and he says, and he says, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Philip pipes up, and Philip says, oh, he says, uh, he says, Master, he says. He says, uh, we don't know where you're going and, and we don't know how to get there and because Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And so the way is not a physical role. The way is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. All right. And then, and then Philip, like, you know, how sometimes we're trying to get our head around this thing and it's not so much getting our head around it, but getting our heart around it to receive these truths in our heart. And he says, oh, okay, uh, Master, he says, show us the Father. And Jesus says, what? I've been with you this long? And, and, and you say, show me the Father? He says, if you have seen me, he says, you've seen the Father. Now, that, that scripture is absolutely key. I mean, it so helped me when I saw that and when that was taught to me and when that was pointed out and when I had that revelation from the Word that if you want to know what God looks like and who He is and how He functions, look at Jesus Christ. Jesus never sent anybody away empty-handed. When they came to him for healing, he healed them all. So they were able to go healed. Uh, he came and he set people free and he met people's needs. He fed them. He looked after them. And that's what God's like because <laughs> that's what we see in Jesus. All right, That is a revelation. We could close the book right now and go home and we would already be here for, for a revelation richer. <laughs> how many you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, how awesome is that? And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And, and I just realized that that word being there is, it should be in capital B. <laughs> Speaking of God, all right? That Jesus is the exact representation. Um, and. Uh, in the uh, New American Standard, in the NASB translation, it says the exact representation of his nature. What, what's God like? Look at Jesus and we know what God the Father is like. In the New Living Translation, it says the Son expresses the very character of God. Yeah. All right? And so here is Jesus um, going around loving on people, healing people, feeding them, meeting their needs, casting out devils, setting them free, teaching them, uh, lifting them up, and so forth. And uh, and by and large, uh, people were attracted to him and because he was good to them. And he only had a problem with the religious folk who were not hooked up with God through relationship, but they were just hooked up with religion. It was all laws and rules and regulations. And in particular, God had a problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day because they weren't liberating people. They were tying people up and binding them up with religion. How do you know that religion binds, binds us, but relationship with God sets us free? And there's a world of difference between the two. All right. So let's get then into these eight redemptive names of God and before we do that, what's the word redemption? What does that mean uh, when I first heard the word redemption? Uh, it's not something that we commonly use in our everyday uh, English uh, uh, language. And the, or even the concept has largely gone, gone out the window. Uh, so to redeem means to recover ownership by pay, of, pay, I start again, to recover ownership of by paying a specific sum. How do you know that uh, when God created Adam and Eve and set him into the garden, they were God's kids? But along came the devil, uh, and he tempted uh, Adam and, and, uh, and Eve, and the two of them, uh, in particular Adam, committed high treason against God, walked away from God, and started to, uh, you know, no longer uh, to live by what God said, but started to live by what the devil said, and, uh, and so forth, and God lost his kids. Uh, and Jesus had to send his son to die on the cross to... Um, <laughs> okay, God lost his kids. And so Jesus had to come to purchase us back again from, from whose ownership? From the devil's ownership because now the devil had become our Lord uh, and it started way back in the Garden of Eden, all right? And in fact, in, in Corinthians, the Bible speaks of, of Satan as the God of this world, little cheese, only a little cheese, all right? It's only little, but nevertheless, uh, he lords it over people's lives, makes their lives miserable, kills kills, steals, and destroys, and basically deceives and, uh, and makes people's lives miserable. And so Jesus has come to redeem us again and to purchase us back. So we are now, my friend, if you are born again, you're God's possession. You belong to God. We've been purchased with a price. But what was the price? It was the very life and the blood of Jesus Christ, because He shed His, his, his blood on the cross. He poured out His life. Uh, literally in order to redeem us back again. And secondly, to set free or to rescue or ransom somebody. Uh, and then thirdly, to save from a state of sinfulness and from its consequences. You see, for us as believers, judgment is not an issue anymore. We will not participate in the judgment. We, will n- we are no longer going to be judged. People are something, oh, what's it going to be like when we get before the great white throne judgment? It's not for us. All right? that is for the God-haters, that is the God-rejecters. Uh, we have received God, we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord, and our Bible tells us that we have passed from judgment to life. All right. And how is that possible? Because all the judgment was laid on Jesus Christ. He was judged on our behalf. This is, you can't get it any more basic, any more simple than that. If we don't understand this, we don't understand the Christian faith. Uh, it's all about substitution, substitution. Uh, Jesus Christ became our substitute, and I say all of that in order when we get into the names of God that we have got a better handle on on what it means to to uh, you know to study the redemptive names of God. There's eight of them. Um, and somewhere, somehow Bible scholars have worked out that these are the eight names. This is the essence of redemption. And all of these things are, are covenant uh, redemption benefits and blessings that we enjoy, uh, that are ours, uh, and that we've got access to at all times. The first one there is Jehovah Sidkenu, um, and it means the Lord, our righteousness. The second one is Jehovah Makadesh, the Lord, our sanctification. The third one is Jehovah Shalom or Shalom, the Lord our peace. Fourth one is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present con- constantly or, or who is ever present. Then fifth one is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. Uh, uh, Number six is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Seventh one is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. And number eight is Jehovah Reah the Lord our shepherd. Many times we sing some of these songs uh, in our worship to God, and it basically uh, has, has a, a meaning attached to it. It has a concept attached to it, and it, it reveals the character and the nature of God. In fact, if we read the Bible, starting from Genesis, God didn't just all come... And, and they said, We're, "You know, for, for our finite mind, we, we can only handle a little bit at a time." And God revealed Himself and more aspects of His. Of his, of his qualities, of his character, uh, a step at a time. That's why the Bible says it's line upon line, precept upon precept. And even to this day, it is not possible for us to completely fathom God and figure him out, all right? Uh, God's The riches of God's glory are unfathomable. Uh, we can't figure God completely out, but we can get a good handle on who he is, and everything that's in the Word is revealed to us, and if we understand that, then we are doing well. So let's go through them one by one and starting with the first one there, which is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. In fact, if you look at different... Writers, there you might even find that the spelling could be slightly different in regards to you know bringing a, a sort of a name across from the Hebrew uh, over into, into the uh, English or to as it were to Romanize these letters. And so, let's not be perturbed about the spelling or even about the pronunciation, let's go after the truth here. Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, is our righteousness. Righteousness is a uh, a funny word. We don't use it uh, outside of uh, Christian circles, hardly outside of church circles. Uh, um, righteousness, what does it mean? It means right standing with God. That's what it means. So if we have righteousness, we have right standing with God. And, uh, and so that's, uh, I guess... Um, in terms of the of the meaning of, of of that name in the book of Jeremiah verse uh, chapter 23 verse 5 it says the time is coming says the lord when i will raise up a righteous descendant from king david's line now notice that word descendant is written in capital d this is a prophecy in reference to jesus christ who is actually also called the son of david or a descendant of david he says he will be A king who rules with wisdom, he will do what is just and right throughout the land, and this will be his name, the Lord our righteousness. And in that day, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And if we were to go back into the original uh, language, then to the Hebrew, we will find that when it says the Lord our righteousness, it actually says there, Jehovah Sidkanu. That is his name, all right? Now, Jehovah means the self-existing one. Jehovah means the eternal one. Jehovah means that he had no beginning and he has no end, all right? How do we know that we are created beings? We have a starting point. Uh, There was a time when we didn't exist and then we were born or we were conceived and and we, we did exist. We are now eternal beings as well, but we had a beginning, Uh, there's actually no end to us in the sense of uh, that we will be alive forever and ever and ever. And there's only two places that we can live, either in heaven or in hell. Um, And and so we are now, in, in that sense, eternal being. But we had a beginning. But God never has a beginning, and God never has an end. God is outside of time. He's the creator of the whole show. God created us. God created time. God created the heavens and the earth. And no matter what the scientists are saying, this is all God's creation. All right? Um, And praise God for scientists who understand all of that and have a good handle on things. And if they don't understand it, they're making all sorts of weird and unusual sounds and and everything else and trying to give us proof of this and proof of that. But as far as I'm concerned, the, the Word is the proof. Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, and He did so in six days, and He rested on the seventh day. Genesis chapter one, two, and three, and that—that's where it is. All right, and uh, and uh, so in other words, there was not a big bang. <laughs> okay, God stood back, He figured it all out, and then God, God began to speak, and He created the whole show. All right. So anyway, uh, in, th- in terms of the Lord, our righteousness, it deals with this age-old question, and a lot of people ask themselves, and the question is this, am I good enough for God? Um, am I worthy enough to come into His presence? Is that a fair enough question? Uh, you know, a lot of people forever live under a cloud of condemnation. They somehow feel guilty, always, always feel that they're failing God, feel that, you know, they're not good enough. There's that unworthiness. And, of course, religion, we've talked about it before, has really underscored that. Religion pushes people down. You're just a bunch of religious worms, and you're just no good. And, and you know, and everything is pushing people down. But, you know, we were down, but when Jesus came uh, to save us, He lifted us up. And, uh, and, and he's called the firstborn of many brethren. So we are, now, we are now, in fact, we're looking to Jesus Christ, amongst other things, as our older brother. So we can't, that, we can't be that much of religious worms if we are brothers of Jesus. So you can see that we were down, but he's lifted us up, all right? And some of these truths, he will absolutely f- spell the final day of your condemnation if you're under that cloud constantly, as a lot of people are. The question is, am I good enough? And the answer is, no, I'm not good enough in my own righteousness. This is the trick, and this is the key. You know, we cannot work hard enough. We cannot give enough. We can't do enough witnessing. We can't do enough of anything in order for God to accept us based on our own righteousness. That's why God says, you're just never going to make it. You know, it's like building a ladder to get to heaven. I mean, even if you add another rung and another rung and another rung, it'll always be sure that you'll never reach heaven. And so God built a a bridge from heaven to earth, and that bridge is called Jesus Christ, all right? And praise God for that. Um, And so again, in Isaiah 64, uh, verse 6, it says, All of us have become uh, like one who is unclean, and our righteous righteous acts are like filthy rags. Uh, We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sin sweeps us away. All right, now this is Old Testament. Of course, in the meantime, the Old Testament came to an end. Jesus Christ appeared. Uh, He died on the cross. He started the New Testament. Uh, And see, God knows that our shortcomings uh, and and our sins have separated us from Him. Uh, So He sent the answer to the same problem. He sent the solution to this apparent shortcoming. And the answer and the solution is not just a concept. It is a person And his name is Jesus Christ. All right? His name is Jesus Christ. Uh, He is the righteous one. Uh, And the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin and was therefore righteous, he became sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So he took his righteousness and he imparted it or imputed it, to use a a, a scriptural word, a a theological term, to impute uh, righteousness to us. So that means we haven't committed righteousness. It was given to us. And not only that, but the Bible tells us, but he no longer holds our sins against us. I mean, how awesome is that? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, it says, It is because of him that you are in union with Christ Jesus, who for us has become wisdom from God, as well as our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And so, just very, the next name that we'll be discussing is Jehovah uh, Shammah. or should I say Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord, our sanctification. Righteousness and sanctification, in a sense, go hand in hand. And you know, uh, in the book of Hebrews, we are told that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, before the mercy seat to, to receive help in time of need, boldly. And so in other words, we don't have to grovel. Uh, though it is a good idea to bow before God as as an act of worship and and, and homage uh, to Him. But when we come to Him, we don't have to grovel. We can hold up our head high and come into the presence of God and not feel in any way inferior uh, because we're not coming in our own righteous acts. We're coming in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And friend, if you can lay a hold of this truth, it'll spell an end to your days of condemnation, of feeling beat down and feeling just that you're failing God and the devil lying to you and and telling you that you're no good, that you're not going to make it, that you're not uh, measuring up in God's expectation and all of this other stuff. Because in our own acts of righteousness, we will never measure up to God. We're not, we're not approaching Him on that basis. We're approaching Him on the basis of what's happened on the cross. And when Jesus took our sin, and not only that, but He became sin, the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, and that we might be made the righteousness of God. So when I'm coming into the presence of God, here goes the righteousness of God in Christ, coming boldly, not not uh, brash or not cocky in any way or not any, any of those other things, but we are coming with a sense of that we are accepting what He's done for us and we are walking in this righteousness. Now, with that understanding, it's then not hard to lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets us, Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and chapter 13, and everything, because now that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, God expects us to act that out, to live that out. But if I fail in any way whatsoever, that doesn't bar me from coming back into the presence of God because I'm not coming in the righteousness that I have developed through my righteous acts but I'm coming in the righteousness that I have been given by Jesus Christ. All right? This is Christianity 101. This is foundational. You can drill down no deeper than that. This is the most basic it can get. All right. It is our substitute that died on the cross. He took everything that we had done wrong and, and gave us everything that He had, he had uh, uh, done right and that he, he inherently possessed, which is right standing with God. It belongs to us by covenant. It is our covenant right. Okay. Number two, Jehovah Makadesh uh, God is my sanctification. Now, in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 8, he says, You shall keep my statutes and practice them, and I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Um, I am Jehovah Makadesh. I am the one who sanctifies you. Now, God requires that we obey His Word and to live by His commandments. But how do you know, and, and God certainly knows, that sometimes we don't measure up, we fail, we, we, we don't get it quite right, or we make a mistake, and you know, we just get ourselves into a situation that we, we shouldn't and everything, and, and we fall short. But God says, it's okay, it's okay, because I am your sanctification. You didn't commit sanctification. You didn't earn sanctification. God says, I am it. So as a born-again believer, as one who has been sanctified by God Himself through what Jesus Christ has done, we are going into the presence of God and it is like Jesus is approaching the Father. Just how it is. Because that righteousness and that sanctification that Jesus has has been impressed upon us. Praise God. Some of you are getting excited. I can see it. Your little toe is wiggling. You are absolutely uh, (laughs) kidding this. (laughs) Hallelujah. So in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Now, there's different facets to the same truth. God's already sanctified us, full stop. But now God says, he says, now you sanctify yourself. Now, one of the meanings of sanctification or to sanctify means that something is set apart for a special use. That's what that means. Um, In fact, specifically, we read through the Old Testament. We read uh, that there are certain things that God considers very sacred, uh, very special. Uh, You uh, uh, set aside or sanctified or set apart for a sacred use. For example, God says that the, uh, the tithe is sacred. Um, we're not to use that for a common use. Uh, in other words, not to use it to pay our own bills. God says, no, no, it's set apart. God says, bring it into the house, and it'll be, it'll be spent as God deems in terms of the strengthening, the extension of God's kingdom. As we read through the uh, Exodus Leviticus, there where they built the tabernacle, this meeting tent where God and man was able to meet, and so forth, and uh, and there were some some pieces of furniture uh, inside that uh, that tent, and that's what it was. It was a big tent. Uh, there were some utensils inside that. There. there was little shovels and little things uh, to be used for you know for handling ash and, and different things. There was a candle stand. There was an altar and everything. All of these things were were special. They were sanctified. They were set apart for a special use. So in other words, um, um, one of the Israelis couldn't just come along to Moses and say, Moses, I got a party happening at my house and uh, I need an extra table. Can I borrow that table? I'm just having a party. God says, no, 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 that's, that's common use. He says, this is a, a, a table for a special use. All right, can you, can you get the picture here? Now, we have been set apart for a special use, no longer for common use and most certainly not for profane use. Uh, every believer is set apart. And we now, uh, we now separate ourselves from certain practices uh, that we might have engaged in before we got born again because some of that is profane and common in the sense that God says, no, 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 uh, we, we don't do that anymore because remember, uh, you are sanctified, you, you are a sanctified one. This is now all uh, special use. This is now uh, used uh, for use as determined by God rather than what the devil manages to To motivate people to do, Uh, and there's the difference between the two. We are sanctified, and that is our legal position, but God expects us then, in response to that, to lay aside certain things, certain places we won't go to anymore, certain activities we won't engage in anymore, because some of that is profane, some of that is common use, but God says, no, it's now special use. The Bible says that we have been bored with a price. We are no longer our own. So in that respect, we can't have a foot in the in the kingdom of God and a foot in the world. Uh, you know, the surface on a Sunday morning and to do the God thing and then to disappear again back into the world and to party up with everybody else, to drink and smoke and to curse and to swear and to get laid like everybody else does. God says that's no longer okay now. It's now special use only. Is that uh, Detailed enough now? <laughs> we can move on now? Okay, that's what we're trying to say. I don't know why it took me this long to get this far. <laughs> so again, <laughs> if, if we're born again, if Jesus is the Lord of our life, our purpose has changed from common to sacred, from profane to holy. And again, that same scripture we read it before in the uh, in the uh, uh, International Standard Version, First 1 Corinthians one thirty. It says, "It is because of Him that you are in union with Christ Jesus. It's not because of us. We could have never reached far enough to get into union with God. We didn't reach up; God reached down. All right. We didn't climb out of our own um, life of sin." God lifted us out of that, okay? Of course, we responded, and so God picked us up and lifted us out of that. He says we're in union with Christ Jesus, who, uh, who for us has become wisdom from God as well as our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. And so in that respect, uh, in that respect my friend, the next time when you feel a little unholy, um, when you approach the presence of God, just relax. We're not coming in our own holiness. We're coming in the holiness of Jesus Christ. All right? By the way, our feelings are not truth. The Word of God is truth. That's why we don't walk by feelings or by circumstances or by what others might have said. We walk by the Word. Remember, in Second Corinthians chapter 5, it says we walk by faith, not by sight or by feelings. That's why it's important that we are in the Word. We know what the Word says, so we, so we can live by it and walk by it. And that is always the the, the the life that God blesses, and that is always the life where things will work out. It's not to say we're not going to walk through some stuff. As Vanessa said before, uh, you know, we have 30 years ago we made up our mind we was going to be tithers no matter what, and, and never miss a beat, never, never, never. Every Sunday, even though that you see the offering bucket pass me by, I've already sent it ahead. You know, <laughs> praise God. You know, electronic. Uh, uh, payment. That's just so fantastic. We've just never missed a beat. Now, that hasn't prevented us from going through some stuff. We're certainly thinking, what's going on here? We feel a bit of a pincher. This is not the abundant life that uh, God has promised us. And then you've got to just absolutely stand your, your ground and declare some things and, and declare that, uh, that uh, um, Jehovah, Jehovah uh, here it is, Jehovah Jireh, we'll get to that, that he's our provider, and that we're absolutely not putting up with these limitations and with these uh, short, uh, shortages and, and what have you. It doesn't prevent us from going through some stuff, but we come out the other side. And praise God, we've always uh, managed to pay our bills. Uh, we're just sometimes a bit more careful and a bit more circum- circumspect in creating new bills. How many of know what I'm talking about? You know, don't go out and buy stupid things and then wreck it in the first three weeks and then, and then, and then it's all gone and the money's gone or you, you purchase it on a higher purchase and you get yourself into a bind and say, where's my God? <laughs> okay. Praise God. Now, God's certainly able to reach into such a situation, such a scenario and lift us out of that and to help us to get free from, from all of that. But after a while, God's expected us to get some, get some wisdom and to make some good decisions. We're doing all right this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> my wife thinks it's time to move on. All right, number three then, Jehovah Shalom. <laughs> God is my peace. This is a good one. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Uh, and here is where we get this word, uh, this name, Jehovah Shalom, that the Lord is our peace. All right? And so again, this uh, deal here has its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. You take, that, you take Jesus Christ out of the equation, there is no peace between us and God because he came to uh, make peace between us and God and he's able to help us to be at peace with one another. And even more importantly, to be at peace with our own selves. You know, somebody who is constantly fighting with other people and constantly at war with other people is because they're not at peace with themselves. Forever just at odds with themselves and then they're reflecting that out uh, into their relationships. That might have been a word for somebody. Just a thought, just a thought. Romans chapter five, verse one: "Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ." We're not at war with God. God's not angry with us. God looks upon us lovingly, as a gentle father would. God wants to help. God wants to get into relationship with us, and that peace is made possible through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. He is our Jehovah Shalom. And when we worship God, when we worship Jesus Christ, we worship Him with that understanding. I know about you, but uh, when I grew up, I had plenty of religion. I want no more. I want no more. It tied me up. It didn't meet my needs. It it wasn't relevant. It just, I want no more of that. I want relationship. I want things to the real. I don't want rituals and formality. I want a deal where I can approach God and not feel bad about myself, where I know that I'm not at, at war with God and God is not at war with me, that my God is not angry with me, not waiting to beat me up. It's incredible what religion can do. I remember once I might have told this story, but just a simple thing. I was uh, in this one place, and you know the way that the windows open in that place, they open inwardly, and I bent down, and when I, when I stood up, I just hit my head on that, on that window uh, so bad that it nearly knocked me out, and I immediately said, God, <laughs> what have I done? Like, I thought the God had clobbered me. Now, where does that come from? <laughs> Religion will tell you that God's out to get you, that God's always waiting to clobber you. But our Bible tells us that God has already clobbered Jesus Christ on the cross, laid all of the judgment that was due to us, all laid it on Jesus Christ. And now we've passed from judgment to life. Uh, if something happens, I probably was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, I, made, I just didn't take care of things. Uh, and, you know, we have to just be a bit more a bit more careful with some things but if there's stuff that goes on uh, that's outside of my my knowledge outside of my control if I'm driving and and you know down the road and there's something uh, waiting to happen down the track there in terms of accidents and bad stuff, I'm absolutely trusting in God that God will protect me from that, that God's already sending the angels of God ahead. I I just don't. You see, we have been redeemed not only from a a life of sin, but we have been redeemed from a life of sickness and a life of accidents and a life of stuff going wrong in our lives. Have you realized that? That salvation is a full package. It's not just going to heaven. It's much more than that. By faith. Here it is. Therefore, being justified by faith. That we appropriate these things by faith. That's not to say that, that if anything does happen to go wrong, say so if something were to happen go wrong tomorrow, it doesn't mean that I failed God. It just means that something, somewhere, somehow, uh, you know, I might, I might have not, not have just walked in that level of faith that God wants me to walk in and to walk in the fullness of everything that Jesus Christ has purchased for me on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14: that Christ Himself is our peace. He made both Jewish people and those who are not Jews one people. You see, in terms of racial reconciliation, without Jesus Christ, it's all talk. But Jesus Christ is able to get into a situation, into a scenario, and to bring harmony, racial harmony in amongst people groups that would otherwise be at odds with one another. Peace is not just a condition. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ, our Jehovah Shalom. In Isaiah 53, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment needful to obtain our peace and well-being was laid upon him. And with the stripes that that, uh, wounded him, we healed and made whole. So peace is now possible between God and us primarily. Then peace is possible in in just our own life, that we are at peace with ourselves, that we're not beating ourselves up, Over stuff that's gone down in the past in our life, things that we might have gotten into us, things that we might have done, or even things that might have happened to us. At a certain point, we let it all go. And then we can be at peace with other people, including people of a different race and of a different different, uh, ethnicity. Praise God. That's why the book of Revelation tells us that God has called out a people for himself out of every tongue, every tribe, and every nation, and every language, and bundle these people together. And now we are no longer a European church or a Maori church or an African church or a Samoan church, or all of these other things. We are now the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not embracing this culture or this culture or this culture. We are embracing kingdom culture. Just come to... I can't quite see chapter and verse for bundling people together of one particular ethnicity. I just can't see chapter and verse for that in a multicultural society. <laughs> Very quickly now, Jehovah Shammah, God who is ever-present. In fact, we shouldn't rush these things. This is just too good to skim over. Jehovah Shammah, God who is ever-present in our lives. See, as believers... We need to know that God is always with with us. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're not going to get right to the end of that, so we'll just leave it and pick it up at a later stage. And uh, very shortly, the musicians are going to come. We're just going to worship God for a little while with all of these things that we've we've learned and things that we've been reminded of and worship God with a new understanding of everything that He's done, who He is in our lives, that He's our Heavenly Father that has come to lift us up. But here this deal with Jehovah Shammah, Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, years ago, religion used to teach us that if you travel down the road and you just get one or two kilometers per hour over the speed limit, Jesus gets out and you're on your own. (laughs) I think I'd be traveling by myself occasionally. (laughs) Occasionally. It does happen that I get a little bit with a speed limit and if I risk past you just be gracious and say Pastor's on a mission he's going somewhere he must be in a hurry <laughs> but you see some of that uh, Jesus getting out and we're on it all sounds good in the soulish realm and people say yes amen but the man said I will never leave you nor forsake you so what do we go with? By what sounds good or what the man said? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. So you'd be amazed if you get into some situations and some think, and sometimes people think, nobody's watching. <laughs> I'm all by myself. But Jesus is right there. If you're born again, you took Him with you. The Bible says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. and <laughs> We carry God around with us. With that understanding, it's just a bit hard to get up to some mischief. Um, People just, you know, get up to playing some things out and get into some stuff and then, you know, resurface and (laughs) it's like when God's right there, God's always watching, but God's not there to beat us up. God's there to encourage us to live right and to live a sanctified life and to walk in the righteousness that Jesus Christ has purchased for us on the cross. We're going to close uh, the preaching part of the service at this point. Musicians are going to come. Just worship God with just one other psalm before we go out. We haven't got an evening service tonight. We will next week, but not tonight. So there's not an immediate hurry to get, get away. Just worship God right now with this new understanding and thank Him that He is our righteousness, that He's our sanctification, that He's our peace. That He's made peace with us and that we're not at war with God. Praise God.